We're taking this in a very different direction than last time. Hey guys, and welcome. Ooh, hey guys. Hey guys. <laughs> I can't do this part. Hey guys, and welcome. This is Reels and Records, episode two. My name is Macy. It's nice to meet you. I'm glad you're here. Reels and Records is a podcast where I throw up all of my film score appreciation as we go over the details that went into the creation of some of the most under and overrated films, uh, film soundtracks picking them apart until we find out just what it is that makes them so good. I'll start out with saying that the movie I'm going to be talking about today means the entire world to me and a lot of people. That movie being the 2006 film directed by Valerie Ferris and Jonathan Dayton with a stellar cast that includes Tony Collette, Steve Carell, Alan Arkin, Paul Dano, and Abigail Breslin, the one and only and most astounding Little Miss Sunshine. A friend from back home introduced me to this movie, and I will introduce you to a term that that same friend and I created. It's a little less self-explanatory than you'd think it is. So Little Miss Sunshine is in the realm of movies that we like to call nothing happens movies. This is absolutely not saying that nothing happens in Little Miss Sunshine. The movie is filled to the brim with some of the most out-of-pocket but wholesome plot lines. Nothing Happens Movies is a term we really just use to classify films with an intense realism. Films that aren't extravagant and they aren't flashy and they aren't trying to throw things in your face. They are simply a peek into someone's life and in this case you're just observing a family existing instead of watching a movie about them. And yet, they're some of the best and most emotional experiences to watch. They reassure you that real life is okay to live, that the romanticized, rose-colored life movies portray is pretty unattainable. Little Miss Sunshine is that kind of movie. The soundtrack was created by Devochka and Michael Dana. Devochka is a four-piece band consisting of Nick Urata, Tom Hagerman, Sean King, and Jeannie Schroeder. Uh, altogether, the four of them play piano, theremin, guitar, bazooki, I think is how it's pronounced, I should probably look that up, trumpet, violin, accordion, sousaphone, double bass, and percussion. And now I'm going to look up how to pronounce bazooki. 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 Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, Michael Dana is a composer who has done songs on the scores of The Life of Pi, Where the Crawdads Sing, Girl Interrupted, 500 Days of Summer, The Addams Family, and a few more. Uh, there are also featured songs in the soundtrack like Sufjan Stevens' No Man's Land in Chicago, Devachka's Till the End of Time, You Love Me and How It Ends, as well as Rick James's Super Freak, an iconic ending. Quick spoiler warning here. If you haven't seen Little Miss Sunshine yet, I advise you to do so before listening to this episode. It will definitely spoil some major parts, and you'll appreciate the music a lot more after watching it. Okay. I hope you came back, and I hope you watched it, and now you're back. Um, <laughs> the film's first scene is pure character setup, showing every family member individually. Uh, this immediately sets up their personal motivations and clashing personalities. The song playing from the very second this movie starts is called The Winner Is. I have so much praise for this song. It starts off so simple and cheerful, which I think parallels exactly what you expect going into the movie. It's called Little Miss Sunshine. There's a movie poster that is bright yellow, and it seems to be the embodiment of happiness, so it's gotta go in that direction, right? 
No, not right. Very wrong. I used to listen to this song every day, and the more I analyzed it and fell in love with it, the less genuine its happiness felt to me. When I asked my friend what came to mind when thinking of the specific track, she said, after lots of thought, melancholy. I am head over heels for the subjectivity of music. I find the fact that it can be perceived in a billion different ways the coolest thing ever. Um, a similar aspect of music that I love is that one song could feel entirely different based on the emotion or baggage you're carrying into that listening experience. So on one end, listening to the song, we have mel melancholic reminiscing. And on the other hand, uh, other side, we have pure joy. And then there's everything in between that as well. The instrumentals of the song include strings, piano, and accordion of sorts, I'm assuming. The pizzicato in the strings, um, to me, brings a lot of childhood innocence into it, which is certainly a theme in the film. Musically, the soundtrack doesn't have one of those specific melodic themes in a way, um, that there's one short melody that gets used over and over again, which is, you know, a leitmotif. But I think something super fascinating about the film is that its score is tied together in musical textures and tones, and this is one of the most thematically cohesive scores I can think of off the top of my head. Somehow Little Miss Sunshine has perfected the art of effortlessly paralleled visual and musical aesthetics, for lack of a better word. My trusty source of Letterboxd synthesizes Little Miss Sunshine saying, a family on the verge of a breakdown, a family loaded with quirky, colorful characters piles into an old van and road trips to California for Little Olive to compete in a beauty pageant. It also has many, many reviews that are beyond entertaining, um, accusing the film of causing and curing several mental illnesses, claiming Tony Collette the queen of dysfunctional families, <laughs> and promising to give emo Paul Dano forward kisses after reading him Nietzsche bedtime stories. It's taking everything in me to not go on a rampant tangent about the scene. The scene. The you can't fly jets if you're colorblind, colorblind scene. I know that that's not what this podcast is inherently about. And I get it. But I really think, I think Dwayne's character is some of the best character creation in history. I, I cannot shut up about it ever. The part where he's screaming and he just goes, divorce, bankrupt, suicide? You're losers. But... I digress. So, back to the soundtrack. Uh, track two is called First Push. To put this track into words based solely on how it sounds, I think I'd say something like 2000s coming of age indie meets Western film score meets absurdly aggressive polka which hardly makes any sense. Also, I'm not very informed on the polka genre, so I apologize to adamant polka fans. That is my bad. The score has such a unique sound that still manages to feel familiar, and I find that this creates such a fantastic dynamic inside of the movie. There are some events that take place in the film that are extremely specific, like stuffing your dead grandpa in your trunk and dancing to Super Freak in front of a bunch of snobby Karens sexualizing and showing off their daughters. But, you know, more on that later. Despite the story's high level of detail, 
It's still one of the most relatable pieces of media I've ever seen. It harnesses the realistic struggle of family relationships in a way that only certain films can master. And the music plays one of the biggest roles in the film's successful portrayal of life and love. Track three is called Let Go. Let's go. <laughs> it's called Let's Go. It begins with a very simple bass line and then brings in that accordion sound once again, starting off very slow uh, with an almost melancholic tone again. Uh, some piano is added and even a bit of triangle. And suddenly there's an element of witty mystery in the air. And right then is where the beat picks up. Arpeggios pile in one after the other. The melody runs up and down the track almost whimsically. And it almost sounds like you're in a French cafe now. And that's the thing about this movie is Little Miss Sunshine brings dark comedy into monotony and spontaneity into dull existence and sun into a dark place. And in all of its shine, it is still able to recognize the dark without demeaning it. It lets you sit in your comfortable sadness and it lets you be a loser and it lets you mess up. The emotional relief comes through about one minute into track three. The high excitement slows, and now all we hear is cymbals, and what I'm going to guess is a tuba. I'm going to guess that. <laughs> Cello is added in with a slow, comforting melody, and to me this piece honestly imitates a sigh of relief. There are so many different instruments piled into the soundtrack, but I feel like all of them have such a distinct purpose. Some of them, like the accordion, triangle, and bells are you know, chimes, are so strongly associated with the feeling of being a child. There's a lot of correlation between childhood and Little Miss Sunshine. Olive's character is the epitome of the contrast between blissfully ignorant youth and adulthood. She's surrounded by every negative, negative aspect of adulthood, not being able to pursue your dreams, addiction, depression, career struggles, the struggles of motherhood, death and loss, and a lot more. The music so perfectly captures this, and it uses nostalgic instruments to then go and create more mellow, mature, but honestly very depressing pieces. <laughs> the letterbox review I wrote when I first watched this film uh, for the first time said, not to be dramatic, but the amount of pure joy I felt watching this is at a level I have never before experienced ever. And I meant that, and I still feel that when I watch this movie. Track four, no One Gets Left Behind is one of the happiest pieces in the film. I'm pretty sure it's played when they accidentally leave Olive at the gas station, and which is ironic, um, but they turn back to rescue her in a panic. And there's this guitar melody, trumpets, and I have a theory about trumpets in songs, and I'm being so serious about this. I think any song that adds trumpets is going to be one of the best songs ever made. It's like, it's just automatic. Like Phoebe Bridger's I Know the End, or... All You Need Is Love by The Beatles, Fine Line Hairstyles, any and every Louis Armstrong song, September, Earth, Wind, Fire, A Million Stevie Wonder songs, Amy Winehouse, Ella Fitzgerald, Ray Charles, Steely Den. There's so many. Anyways, but, but all of them use trumpets, and all of them are glorious. Same with sax. Every song with sax is a good 
solid good song. Anyways, uh, this is just such a brilliantly happy song. It feels like redemption and collaboration and laughter in music form. The next track is called We're Gonna Make It. When I hear this song, I think about the point in the film where they are nearly to the pageant, um, are just barely late, and are speeding and sprinting to get there in time for Olive to perform. I think this is such a stunning part because at this point, they have all gone through so much, so much that it doesn't feel like they should have to be trying, like they shouldn't have to be trying to get to the pageant anymore. They should probably be dealing with some other stuff. But they do it for Olive and for their grandpa, and you can clearly see that they're all putting their all into making this experience for Olive. My favorite part of the film is when they finally arrive and the first person to jump out of the car and book it towards the hotel is Frank. Frank, who at the beginning of the movie felt he had nothing to live for, is now running at full speed to a pageant he cares nothing about. But he does care about it because he cares about Olive, and you can instantly see so much more life in him compared to how he felt in the beginning. Everyone is coming together for this worthless pageant because it means so much to Olive, and the music radiates that adrenaline rush and that overwhelming love and sacrifice that's bringing the whole family together. The last track on the actual soundtrack, though there's more songs featured in the film, um, is called Do You Think There's a Heaven? This is a perfect ending track. It is flawless. It is sad, and it is slow and monotonous, and it is life. And I think it's also love and joy and comfort. It's beyond fitting for a movie of this artistry and greatness. The music is what elicits the feeling of your heart swelling out of your chest when the movie's ending. The film could not do that without the music. That's why music is so, so immensely important in movies. It's not just a compliment to the storyline, though it often is. It's critical for the emotion to be conveyed in the correct way. Film has an emotionally manipulative way of gripping our heartstrings, but it can only fully do that when the music behind it is effectively communicating to your brain what emotion it needs to feel. It brings back the trumpets, of course, which feels so right for the song. That feeling of conclusivity and comfort comes in just because of that trumpet melody. Real quick, before I wrap up, let's talk about the pageant performances scene. A pageant performance scene where they all dance to Super Freak. <laughs> this is the last step in the family's journey of completely coming together. I couldn't ever come up with a more perfect ending than all of them becoming comfortable with being losers together, which is a conflict throughout the entire film. The dad is constantly telling Olive not to be a loser, and later the grandpa reassures Olive that losers are people who are so afraid of failing that they don't even try. The entire family gets up on stage with Olive, who's being ridiculed by a room of full-grown adults, and they dance with her. They make a fool out of themselves. They get themselves kicked out, and they also get themselves banned from ever competing in a pageant in the state of California ever again. 
but not a single one of them seems to care. They're more content than ever, and I think that's really lovely. Gonna wrap this one up now. Thank you for listening to me ramble about my love for film. It's such a cool thing to be able to do. But until next time, I hope you have a nice, lovely day and your music hits extra hard. See ya.